Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. So y'all ready? Talk a little, about, a little bit about vision. Speaking of vision, uh, I don't know if you have anybody here has kids. I know a lot of you do because our kids ministry uh, is booming right now. It's good down there. I like that. I like I a booming kids, kids ministry. Kids. <laughs> we have a lot of kids. We keep having kids. Just in case you're wondering, we have five. I almost said four. We have five. All right. It's bad when you lose count. And we're about to have six. She's pregnant. So yes, we like to I'm blow pregnant. up our kids ministry. Man, we believe in growing the local church. Okay. Amen. <laughs> so uh, we love um, we love kids. We have an amazing kids ministry. Our kids are there. And something that we're always thinking about with our kids is vision for our kids. If you have kids, you're thinking, man, what is the vision for my kid? And I want to tell you right now, I, I don't know about uh, your vision for my kids, but I can promise you this. Uh, it pales in comparison to my vision for my kids. I believe so much for my kids. Every night whenever I go and let, put them down for bed, I just speak vision and I speak life over them. Even whenever I pray for them, I pray big things. Like I'm praying for Naraya and all of a sudden, I don't even know if she can sing, but I like, I like, as I'm praying for her, I'm praying, man, you're going to be leading worship for tens of thousands of people one day. Your, your influence is going to touch millions for the kingdom of God. To millions. See, I have vision for my kids, and we all do. And when you have vision for your kids, what do you do? I, even before I had kids, I, I didn't think like in the moment of being a single person or even necessarily being married of, of planning and provision and all these things for my, for my kids. I didn't think about it as much, but man, when you have a kid, it's all of a sudden like, whoa, I got to get my stuff together. I got to start planning. I got to start preparing. I got to start putting some provision away from my kids because like, I'm going to be passing something down to them. What is the legacy that I'm going to leave for them? What am I going to be passing down to them? And so there's someone in Scripture that we're actually going to be looking at tonight named David who actually had the same vision for one of his sons, Solomon. And he had a long-term vision. And not only, his vision not only extended beyond his own life, but it was long reign for generations to come, and it's found in uh, Chronicles. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We're going to have it on the screen. But it's First Chronicles, and we're going to be looking in chapter 22 and starting in verse 14. So Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 22, and we're going to be starting in verse 14. Let's go ahead and read this passage of Scripture together. So then David said, Notice I have taken great pains to provide for the house of the Lord, 3,775 tons of gold. It's a lot of gold, y'all. 37,750 tons of silver and bronze and iron that I can't be weighed because there's just so much of it. I have also provided timber and stone, but you will need to add more to them. You also have many workers, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, and people skilled in every kind of work, in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, beyond number. Now begin the work, and may the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. The Lord your God is with you, isn't he? And, he, and hasn't he given you the rest on, rest on every side? For he has handed the land's inhabitants over to me, and the land has been subdued before the Lord and his people. 
Now, determine in your mind, I love this, now determine in your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Let's get straight to the point right here. It says, get started building the Lord God's sanctuary so that you may bring the ark of the Lord's covenant and the holy articles of God to the temple. That is, to be built for the name of the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray before we uh, dive into this text and the, the talk for the night. God, I uh, thank you so much uh, that you meet us here, Father, uh, that you indwell the praises of your people, that you're here. And so, Father, we ask that you would speak to us today. Father, you would be the teacher of your word. And, Father, that we would glean some, glean some new insights, something that will change and transform our mind and our heart so that we could be more like you. God, I ask that you speak directly to every single person here. It's amazing how we can engage your text, Father, and your Holy Spirit moves and it speaks directly to the individual. Father, we know where your spirit is, life change happens, so we ask you to come, Lord, and move in our midst tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to talk about this text for just a second, then we want to unpack some specific things that we feel like God is calling us to. But one of the things that I want us to see from this text is actually found in verse 14, and it honestly moves all the way down into verse 16. And that was that David made provision for his son's future. I think that's important to, to sit on for just a second because I want us to be thinking, as we're looking at this text, I want us to be thinking about what are we building here in Boulder for the next generation? What are we building here for the kingdom of God that will stand into the next generation? Not only our children, but our children's children. And we see here that David was making provision for the future. He provided a lot of very pricey materials. I love... Uh, uh, there's, a, there's three specific things about vision that I want us to look at that I've gleaned from this text. And that's that vision sees beyond others. It look, looks past your current situation and the current state that you're in. And David was doing that as he made provision. It looks before others. Vision looks before others. And it sees before everyone else sees. And so in his mind, even as he's getting all of these materials together and, and all of these resources in his mind, he can see what it's going to be, and he says, I'm going to make provision for what nobody else can see. And then the third and final thing that vision sees is it sees bigger than others. It sees a vision larger. He even goes on to say that it, this is supposed to be a majestic temple for the glory of God. And it sees bigger, bigger than usual than what other people can see. And as I list those things, I want us to think about our own life. Like, like David, are we making the necessary provision for that kind of a vision to advance the kingdom of God here in Boulder and to truly build something that will last and give God glory? The second thing that I see in the text as we move right along is found in verse 17. David doesn't just speak the vision. He brings other people into the vision. He empowers other people into the vision that he's giving in this text. And there's a, uh, a quote by uh, Jim Collins, who's a uh, prominent businessman actually here in Boulder. Would love to meet him if any of you have a, uh, a connection. But he says, uh, great vision without great people is irrelevant. So we can sit up here all day and cast a great vision. And we can say, or he could, David could have said, I got all this material. Good luck. But he didn't do that. He empowered people. He brought people in, people that were skilled in each trade to help fulfill the vision that he's building up for the next generation to build the temple. So that's the second thing that we see. And the third thing is this. 
David gives a clear charge in the end, and I love this. In the last couple verses there, we see uh, David charge his son with a very clear charge. He said, well, my favorite is he specifically says, now determine in your mind and your heart to seek the Lord. And he said, get started building. So he gave him a very clear vision for what that he wanted to do. He made the provision. He brought people and empowered people along on the journey. And then he gave a very specific and very clear charge. And he said, now get to doing the work that I've called you to do, that, we, that God has called us to do. And so tonight, we're going to go through some, just some specific things that align with both our mission and our values of where we feel God is calling us to go. And as we go through these points, I just want you to be thinking in your mind and in your heart, are my doing these three things with that type of a vision? Say you align with this vision. Think in your life, am I, am I providing the resources to see this vision fulfilled for the next generation? Am I bringing others into this vision and empowering others and saying, hey, you're skilled in this. Let's build this together. And then finally, am I giving a clear charge of the direction of where we're going? So let's dive into this together. I've talked way too much. Let's, I want my wife to speak into this a little bit. And let's look at the first thing. Yeah, uh, our values. We actually did a value series not too long ago. Some of you guys may have been here. So great. Um, but we were actually reminiscing on our last Vision Sunday, and there were 14 people. Yeah, 14. I think 14 people in the room. So it's which really I think fun. almost all of those 14 are still here. Yeah, which is great. That's a good sign. So great. But we, um, we kind of went through our values um, a couple, probably several months ago, and it was just really neat to see as we've launched the church in August and going through that as – as we've grown, the vision has remained the same. Like we were laughing at a, a love boulder image that I created a year ago, November 3rd. And we were laughing because the logo now is way better, number one. Um, but number Everything two, the vision, the vision was there. And we were um, excited just to see that the vision that God had given us back a year and a half, two years ago, to plant a church in Boulder is still that same vision. And so walking through those values, the very first value we have is we want everything to be about Jesus. And I don't know if you've been in a place that um, maybe it's been a church that they um, haven't been all about Jesus. And we've, we've participated in churches that way. And we're going, man, it's easy to get caught up in the things we need to do, and leadership development, and all of the things. But if the foundation is not Jesus, then we're missing it. And so our number one value is Jesus is our message. And therefore, in everything we do, whether it's from serving coffee to our kids to connection and all of the things in crews, we want the foundation to be laid on Jesus. And we're constantly, as leaders and leaders in here, we're constantly checking each other and praying for each other, that we're pushing each other towards that to say, is our perspective right? Is our attitude right? Are we making this about Jesus? Are we making his name famous and not our name um, famous? So as we, as we look into 2019, as we look into 2050, we're saying, you know, we want to make Jesus's name famous in Boulder, not ours, not Pinewood's name, although we love the logo. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Um, but we, even through our Love Boulder initiatives, we're going, man, we want to love like Jesus. We want to serve like Jesus. We want to be his hands and feet um, and constantly just dialoguing 
more in that vision, what that looks like. Yeah, all about Jesus. You know, we do a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, it's going to always be all about Jesus. Uh, there's a, a, a statement. This isn't original me. Uh, methods will come and go, but the message will stay the same. Yeah. And that couldn't be any more true of us, is the way in which we do a lot of the things are going to constantly be changing. And we believe, just so you hear me very, very clearly, we believe that that is a really, really good thing. We believe that change is healthy for anything that grows. Yeah. Anything that grows changes. And especially in a church, as we begin to grow, we're going to change a lot of the way that we do things. Right. And so if you don't like change, I don't think you're going to like Pinewood. Even stage stuff, our team jokes because I don't know that we've showed up for a single setup where it's like, what are we doing today? Just the same old, same old. It's like, no, it's like, what new little gadget or light or how can we make it better? How can we make it easy? But it's because we're changing everything just a little bit. Even with our crews coming up, we're changing. We're adding more crews or however. Here's the thing with us, just so that you understand. Uh, our mission statement is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of things that we could be doing, but in everything that we do, we're going to be meeting people where they are and we're going to be pointing them to Jesus. So 30 years from now, 60 years from now, 90, 100 years from now, you'll never find us being like, what do you do? We just do a lot of stuff. No, it's going to be we meet people where they are and we point them to Jesus. And when I say we, I'm not talking about Pinewood as a church. And this is something I want you to hear very specifically as well is Pinewood, as far as a church, a local church, and this specific Sunday meeting gathering, we can only touch so many lives. When I say we're going to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus, that is you. That's your sphere of influence. That's through your social networks. That's through your family members. That's through your coworkers. Like, you're going to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. I'm going to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. And this is going to be a rhythm of our life. I mean, we have probably, what, 90 people here today. And we're going to try to bring as many people as we can to the Sunday gathering to touch them so they can hear the message of the gospel. But if we were to tally up all of you guys' influence, yeah. it would be tens and of thousands of people. That's the kind of impact that we want to have in this city. And it's going to always be about Jesus. Uh, I want to give one clear before we move on. I know we've got to move on quickly. But I want to give one specific vision point for the first year of Pinewood Church. And that's that our prayer, since before even launched, was that we would see 100 baptisms happen out of Pinewood Church. A hundred baptisms in the first year. Just so that uh, I can hear something. How many of you would love to see a hundred baptisms at Pinewood Church in the first year? That's all right. I think that would be an amazing start. There's a lot of people in Boulder that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Even this morning, I was at a coffee shop, and I was looking around. And, and, you know, I'm not judging anybody. I don't know who is and who isn't. But I just began to see a lot of faces. The coffee shop was packed. Streets were packed. Cars everywhere. And I just began to think to myself, I mean, there's a lot of people in this city that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And, man, when I look at that number 100, I think to myself, that just feels too low. That feels too small. Like, we want to see 1,000 people baptized. We want to see 2,000 people baptized. But we're going to start with 100, and then we'll go from there. Next year. Next year, 1,000, all right? But we want to start. We, our prayer is that we'd see 100 people baptized from launch to our first year anniversary. So if you haven't been baptized, let's go. We got water. Let's do it. <laughs> the second thing 
um, that I, I want to talk briefly about is our second core value. And that's that everybody wants to be known and loved. Everybody wants to know somebody, be known. Everybody wants to love somebody, and they want to be loved. And that speaks very much so into our second value, which is connection is our culture. Uh, my pastor and mentor, he used to tell me all the time, your connection determines your direction, uh, which means the people that you put around you in your life is ultimately going to point the trajectory of your life. And so just for a second, I want you to think about the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Are those people that are encouraging you in your faith or discouraging you in your faith? Are those people that are building you up or are those people that are tearing you down? Are those people that are speaking God's promises over your life or declaring that there is no God, it doesn't even matter, do whatever you want? The people that you put around your life is ultimately going to be the gauge for which direction by which you go. And so because we believe that, we want to put people around my life wife's life, and our church family's life, they're going to be building one another up, loving each other well, knowing each other intimately. And some of the ways that we do that is through our crews and our accountability groups. I don't know if you want to speak to any of our crews or accountability groups and the intentionality we put behind those. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been huge for us personally being a part of a crew since we landed here. Um, that connection that you can have, the accountability, you can do real life with people, um, and that rawness and vulnerability um, grows that connection. I think so many times it's easy for us to just kind of hide behind everything's okay or everything's good. And, you know, it's, it, there's just deeper parts to our soul and it's okay. I, I think people are saying this a lot. It's okay not to be okay. And it's healthy to be in community to be able to say that. Um, I know Parker, I think, got up last week and said, you know, we're just not okay this week. I'm like, okay. It was a rough one, there. team. It was a rough one. Um, a little better this week. I'm like, we had a safe place for that. I'm just kidding. You guys are safe. Um, and so those crews and those accountability groups have been just huge in our friendships and relationships since we landed in Boulder. Even back in Tennessee, we had the same thing. And so for sure, crews are a foundational place that when we when we look out, we say, man, we want to see more people in crews than we do come in and walk in these doors on Sundays. Because if we know people are doing life with each other in community, growth is going to happen. Um, growth is going to happen in your spiritual life, in your physical life, all the things, in your relationships, because there's a sense of accountability there if you're putting yourself out there and if you're showing up, right? Because you have to show up to grow up. Yeah. That's so good. Honestly, like if you're here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, man, I desperately need community, but I'm just not digging you guys. Listen, that's fine. (laughs) We still love you. Get in a crew. There's a lot better people there. (laughs) Or say like, I'm not digging this church. That's fine. Here, listen to me. And I cannot say this. You're going to think I'm lying when I say this, but I mean it. Like it's more important to me that you find community and that you grow in your faith than it is that you like being in this space. Like, I, I love this space. I think this is a beautiful space. We love coming together on Sundays and, and worshiping and praising God and hearing a message. But I want you to get connected. I feel like it's a dangerous place to be in isolation. I feel like it, it not only uh, being in isolation not only disconnects you from community, but it makes you ineffective, ultimately. Uh, there's uh, this saying that my wife said that I love that said that if the enemy can get you isolated, then the enemy can gain influence. 
And I just don't want you to be isolated and alone. And so for whatever, if there's anything that we can do to help you get in community, we want to help you do that. And if, hey, if Pinewood's not your cup of tea, we can connect you to some amazing churches in town where you can get connected, grow in your faith, and feel like you're known and feel like you're loved. And so talk to us. We want to walk that journey with you. Uh, the next thing is um, open hands. We want to live with open hands. I mentioned this briefly earlier, but our third value is generosity is our privilege. Uh, we don't give for a blessing. We give from a blessing. Uh, we don't give because it's just an obligation because we feel like, here it is Sunday again. I guess I got to pull out my wallet. We don't give because it's an obligation, but we see it as an opportunity. And I believe David did as well. I believe David saw the building of the temple as an opportunity to glorify God and to bring people together and to grow them in their faith. He mentions bringing the art together. He says, get to work. Start building. He said, I've provided all of this for you. He didn't see it as an obligation, but he saw it as an opportunity. And I was, I was thinking about an opportunity, and I wanted to explain some things. As we're thinking vision, talking vision, I wanted to explain something to you today. You may be thinking to yourself, okay, this is a church plant. You're brand new. If you're looking around the room, we don't, we don't always have this many people here. There's not this many of us a part of Pinewood Church. This is awesome, a big Sunday. We're celebrating that. But we don't have enough of us in Pinewood to make this church self-sustained. So we have a sending church that sent us out, that partnered with us, that provides resources. We have supporting churches. We have supporting friends and family that come alongside us and give very generously so that we can be here, so we can rent the facilities, hold worship nights in the band shell, give money and resources to local organizations, or do a date night. Or, or buy groceries. Or buy groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. True. But we have these people that believe in the vision, they believe in the mission, and they get behind us. And there's so many of you as well that have come behind us in faithful ties and offerings. But we're still not self-sustained. So if we're speaking vision, then I want to speak the vision of us being self-sustained as a local church. It wouldn't take much. It would not take much for us to be self-sustained here in Boulder. And I feel like that's every church plan, if you've ever been involved in the church world, there's a lot of milestones in the life of a church plant. But one biggie is becoming self-sustained. Because we're, we're not going anywhere. So either we're going to be self-sustained or, or we're just going to stick around somehow anyways and just do something that, the same but different, you know. But no, I believe we're going to be self-sustained sooner than later. It would only take 90, this is a crazy number, just in case you're wondering, what would it take for us to be self-sustained as a church? It would only take 90 individuals, which we, I think we have here, giving $250 a month and Pinewood would be self-sustained. Guys, we could do that. For sure we could do that. So I want to cast the vision, and I want to believe that by year one, at our anniversary, because we're doing a Pinewood conference, I don't know if you've heard, it's going to be a blast, but at our year one anniversary, we're going to get to celebrate that we are self-sustained as a local church. And it's only going to happen if we do it together as an opportunity, because generosity is our privilege. Anything that you want to say about generosity, love? No, I mean, I think you... She's seriously one of the most generous people. That's not true. 
in the world. Parker's actually the most generous person. I have to like, he gives away his stuff a lot. (laughs) Like, wait, are you sure you want to give that away? Don't get any ideas. He's actually helped me be really generous. And it is true that living a life of generosity and opening your hands, you have nothing to lose. You have absolutely nothing to lose. And it's been beautiful in our journey to see how God's provided when we've given and opened our hands and we didn't have it. Um, And so, yeah, we're just challenging you guys to live that journey alongside of us because we're leading out in it for sure and stepping out in faith month after month to say, God, you can provide when we don't see how or what that looks like. Um, Yeah, there's a scripture uh, in Corinthians that says those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, but also those who wrote bountifully will reap bountifully. Don't give uh, reluctantly. Or out of compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're here today and you're like, fine, fine, you're twisting me on my arm, I'll give something already. That's not, what, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that we're to give generously to the work that God is doing here. Yeah. And with a cheerful heart. Yeah, and something that we've talked about from the beginning is bringing your best. And I think that ties into giving. It ties into how we set up chairs and how we do life with other people. And it was funny because this morning I was folding clothes and actually sorting because I don't, I don't fold clothes. I just sort them and they shove them in the drawer. Um, <laughs> real life. Pro tip. Um, pro tip if you have five kids ever. Or just if it's just you, shove them. I mean, it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Throughout the day, they like de-wrinkle. I don't know if, <laughs> we don't don't know if you know either. that. Anyways, that wasn't the point. But um, my oldest was in the room with me, and he was kind of helping me. And he was like, he's been trying to earn money to buy a toy. And um, so I've given him lots of chores. It's been very beneficial. And um, he said, man, mom, you have a lot of work to do. I'm like, you're right. I was like, how does it feel, all this stuff? And I was like, but you know what? I was like, when mom shifts her perspective and her attitude, and I say, I get to do this for you guys which is not always the attitude, just so you know, Um, then my perspective shifts and it helps me be able to serve the family and do the laundry and do the dishes and clean the floors four times a day and all of the things. And I said, it's similar to, it's not your fault. It's all the children. I feel like I did this to us for some reason. I feel responsible. (laughs) No, all the dust just clutters in the same spot, but it's fine. Um, But... It was interesting because we had recently also been talking about that with him because he comes early with us and sets up. And he sometimes, you know, he has this attitude of kind of like, man, like we have to do this every single week. And I so I like kind of related that this morning as we were doing the close. And I said, it's very similar to church. Like we get to do this. Yes, we do have to do it every week because he's so confused. He's like, but mom, you have to do it. I'm like, well, you're right. But if we can change our perspective and say, we get to do this, we get to be a part of a church. And I was able to share with him how some people in other countries don't get to be a part of a church, don't get to worship Jesus openly and freely then it shifts our perspective. And then not only does it shift our perspective, but we can have the attitude to say, I'm going to do it with all of my heart and I'm going to do it with excellence. I'm going to notice when the cards are crooked and the chairs aren't straight and the screen is falling, which doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Okay. That doesn't happen. Um, (laughs) But the details matter. And so something that we want to see as we grow is that our spirit is excellence, that we are coming into Boulder saying, man, we want to give our best because Jesus gave our, his best to us. 
um, and through that, we're able to represent him. Yeah, uh, Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as something that's done unto the Lord. And so if, if you know, whatever you're doing in, in your life, are you doing it as unto the Lord? And if you are, it would be my hope and my prayer that that wouldn't be halfway. Yeah. Uh, my hope and my prayer would be that you wouldn't do something as to the Lord, like with your head down, like with apathy, yeah. with a bad attitude, giving half of what you have, not caring if something isn't done right. My prayer for us is that if it's done as unto the Lord, we're going to give our best. We're going to give everything that we have. I mean, the details matter. Mm-hmm. Details matter to God. Yeah. And they should matter to us. We don't pursue excellence because we want to look better. We pursue excellence because we want God to look better. We want to have create an environment that's not distracting. That's create an environment where there, people aren't thinking to themselves, man, this is, uh, what's going on here? What's going on? But all they, they get to hear the message, the hope of the gospel, that they get to enter uh, his praise with worship. So that's why we pursue things uh, with excellence. The uh, next thing is culture of serving. Servant leadership is our calling. I believe that if you're here tonight and that you call yourself a Christian, then I believe that you're called to serve in some capacity to advance the kingdom of God. Now, when I say servant leadership is our calling, that's intentional because Servant leadership and serving in the, in the local church is about the collective potential of the whole, not just the select gifts and talents of an individual. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Is like, there's literally nothing that we can't do when we do it all together and we, believe our, and we bring our collective potential together, when we bring our resources together, when we, bring our, we commit to time and we say, hey, I, I have this thing that I'm good at. And you bring it to the table. It's like, wow. You see, everything that we have here today, people leading worship, people playing guitar, people running lights, people greeting people. Every, this is people living out their God-given gifts and their talents and their skills and resources for us to be able to do this. And we believe that every single one of you have something that you can bring to the table to serve to advance the kingdom of God. And I love that even in the text in Chronicles, what we were looking at with David. He said, I got everything, man. I got the people that work with gold. I got your stone cutters. I got your loggers. I got your craftsmen. He's bringing out these skilled people and these skilled laborers for this very specific task. So I want to let you know here today, this is what we're doing here at Pinewood is not a Pinewood show. It's not a Parker and Jess show. There's no individual that we're leaning into. We're, we're on the team. Jess and I, we're on the team living out what God has called and commanded us to do. And so is everyone else on that team. And we're pursuing meeting people where they are and pointing them to Jesus and glorifying God in everything that we do. Uh, there's a, a, a Love Boulder, this local serve arm, that dream that we had was really a call in our life to get people in Boulder serving in some capacity. I believe that people want to serve. Many times they just don't know how to serve. And so that was the beginning birth of Love Boulder for us was, you know, when you're serving, what are you doing? You're thinking about something or someone outside of yourself. If you're not serving, 
then you're thinking about yourself. And I want to create a culture, and if the Lord will allow, we're going to keep pursuing it with Love Boulder. I want to create a culture in Love Boulder where people are constantly thinking about somebody else. Whether it's you join us for the month of November and you have a couple bags that you're putting together to give to somebody in the community, or whether or not you're thinking about December, thinking, I'm going to show up to Love Boulder, I'm going to give some families a break this year. But it's thinking about other people and it's offering your time to serve. Here at Pinewood Church, we will not be a church that settles for low impact. We won't do it. You get one life to live. You get one shot to build something great that will last for generations to come. And we will not be a church that will settle for low impact in this city. We want to lean into the culture. It's my prayer. It's our prayer as a whole, as as a team, that we would not only be the church that serves, but it's my prayer that the city would one day come to us and say, hey, I've noticed that you guys have been serving the city consistently for years. I've noticed that you guys have a, it's almost like your hearts are fine-tuned to the needs of this community. How can we partner with you to better serve our city? That's our prayer. And I believe that that's possible if we all give what we have to serve our community for the glory of God. The next thing, Jess, if you'll speak to this. You say this a lot, too. If Pinewood Church was no longer there, would this city ever notice? Um, And I feel like that's so good in the sense of, thinking through how we are loving and serving our city um, with no strings attached, um, just to love them and serve them. If you would take Pinewood out of Boulder one day, even today, would the schools notice, would the counties notice, would the homeless notice, would the needy families notice, would the community notice if we were no longer here? And the vision for that is that they would notice if Pinewood shut their doors, they would be knocking us down to say, no, we'll pay your rent. We need you to stay open, <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> so, man, just to, as, as a praise, take a praise break. Any charismatics in here? We're going to take a praise break. If you were charismatic, right, you would lose your mind and go crazy. So I guess there's not. Uh, <laughs> run around. Now, we're going to take a praise break. We want to praise God because uh, actually Love Boulder is taking ground in Boulder. Uh, we actually, for Love Boulder, partner with four schools here in town, and they actually put our flyers in every person's backpack that left, and that way we were able to really know, like, where was the need through the local schools. Not only that, we partnered with the Boulder uh, Valley Foster Care System, which is awesome. So we're kind of getting a pulse on what the foster families need, and we're going to continue to serve them in the future. And even now, just to praise again, moving into this date night, when uh, the school found out that we were doing a date night for families, they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on can we open this up to families in our school? And we were like, duh, you kidding me? That sounds amazing. But we tried to play it cool. Like, yeah, sure. That'd be great. Sure. Why not? I mean, sounds good. And they were like, the only thing is if, if, if we promote it here uh, at Columbine, we have to promote it at three other schools. I was like, oh, this, I guess if that's okay. I mean, that yeah, sounds awesome. Are you kidding me? Let's get in all of the schools. Let's find out what all of the needs are in the schools and how we can better serve the families in the city. So that's just a little bit of praise break. Yeah, we're so excited about that. Sign up to serve. Servant. Sign up. It's our culture. Um, So we are also committed to honor. We love that verse that in Romans 12, 10 that says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters outdo each other in showing honor. 
Um, and we believe in honoring, and I think there's something to be said about creating that culture of honor where we're lifting each other up in Jesus' name. Um, we, I was just talking to the women on Friday night about this. I think we are in a culture and a day and time that we are easily torn down, but we're also easily built up. And what are we choosing? In our workplace, what are we choosing? In our gyms? In our homes, with our kids, are we choosing to use words that are building or tearing down? Because we want this church to be a foundation that is founded on honor, and that's through Scripture. Scripture talks all throughout how Jesus honors others, Um, and we want to be and have that culture of honor. Um, It also means being kingdom-minded people. We want to be a kingdom church right? Not a siloed church. And so when we're looking at even churches in the city and Parker mentions, hey, if we're not the church for you, we can mention other churches. That's because we're all on the same team and we want to honor that for sure. Yeah. It's my hope, my prayer that you'll never hear us talking about any or any one of our people talking negatively about some other church or someone else in the faith. Ain't nobody got time for that. We're not going to be that people. I believe when you do that and you're like, well, I'm just speaking truth, brother. I'm just speaking truth, sister. No, I believe that you're tearing down the body of Christ. I think if you had something to say, you could go to them and say it yourself. We're not going to do that. We're going to celebrate our brothers and sisters here that are doing good things for the kingdom of God. And we want to honor them as we hope they would want to honor us. And we want to build up the church. Uh, We believe the devil's not afraid of just a large church, but a unified church. And it's our prayer that we would be unified in the body of Christ and that we would honor one another. Yeah, we were just talking. I'm going to interrupt you. Is that okay? Yeah. We were talking about this on Friday night, too, of just talking about being a force in this city. And what does it look like to be a force in this city? And if, and if we're not unified, if we're not honoring, if we're not being kind within the body, then we're going to bring division. And there's, there's no such thing as a forceful division, right? So to bring force in the city, to bring a movement, to ask God to bring a movement, then we have to be unified and prepared for that. The last thing is that we're going to be built on love and that we're going to make sacrifices uh, to build this thing on love. You know, with love comes great sacrifice. We know that uh, because we know uh, that even Christ, when he sent his son down to this earth, his motivation was love, and so he sent his one and only son We know that with great love comes great sacrifice. And our motivation is always going to be a deep and profound, genuine love and affection for one another that comes from Christ. And as we we close tonight, I want want to close, but as we do, I want to talk about uh, closing just to get us thinking about the next 30 years. You're like, man, I thought this was for 2019. Well, kind of, but I believe that any vision is a long-term vision. Just like we saw that David had, he's had a long-term vision. He made provision for it. He empowered people. And I just want to be thinking about the next 30 years of your life. You know, what, are, what kind of a legacy are you going to leave? Like, I know for me personally, whenever I even I think about my kids, I had Ryan one Sunday look at me and say, so, Dad, I, he was just kind of looking around at them, and he was just like, so, so one day I'm taking over Pinewood, right? And I was like, hold up, bro. son. That's not how this works. You don't just get the baton of the local church. That's not how this works. No, there's, I don't know if he was like looking around the room like, I would do things a little different if it was me. Like, chill out, you're seven. But I love you. I love the ambition. But 
You're still seven. But just thinking ahead, like what kind of a legacy are we going to leave for Boulder? You know, I want us to, I want us to think honestly about Columbine Elementary, Whittier, Foothills. I want to think about Casey Middle. I want to think about Boulder High School. I want to be thinking about the local schools and the kids that are there right now. Those high school students are going to graduate in a few years, and they're going to go into college. Those people at CU are going to graduate CU in just a few years, and they're going to go into the real world. Is it okay to say? Because <laughs> college isn't the real world, okay? But they're going to go into another phase of life. What kind of a, a church are we going to build for the next generation? I want us to build something that'll last forever, that can only be built on Jesus Christ. What kind of foundation can we lay other than Jesus Christ is what Paul said. Yes, I built like a master builder. I worked really hard. He even said, no one worked harder than me. But what kind of foundation can I lay other than that which is Jesus Christ? And it's my prayer that every single one of us would give everything that we have, that we would bring our best every single week that we would make provision to build this thing so that long-term, looking back, I'd love to look back 30 years from now and be handing the baton to a younger generation and, and say, look around the room. You know, that person was here when we were two people, and they're still here loving and serving God, building something great for the kingdom. And now look where we are 30 years later with tens of thousands of salvations, baptisms, people chains broken for Christ, people healed people found community, all because that person was faithful. That person was faithful. Man, that person gave all they had. That person brought their best. We're going to go now into a time of response, and I just want you to be thinking even about some of these things that we spoke of, these specific vision statements, and, and even this text from David. And I want you to be thinking during this response song, and just be praying to God. If, if you don't want to sing and you don't want to pray, that's fine. Pray to God and just say, God, what do you want me to bring to the table to advance your kingdom here in Boulder? How do you want me to prepare the way for the next generation here in Boulder? I don't know if you know this or not, but Boulder has, has this history, has this around, outside of Boulder. If, you, if you've only been in Boulder, you may not know this, but outside of Boulder, it has this perspective. People look at Boulder as, as being this place where you go and People there, you know, there's not a lot of Christians there, you know. There's the same things that you hear, not a lot of churches. And they almost have this hopeless view of Boulder. I don't have that. I've never had that. From the second we pulled into Boulder, it was like, man, there's so much hope in this city, I can't even stand it. I feel like there's so many people hungry in the city. I just, I, could, I was counting down the days to get here to share the gospel with people because I just knew there were people hungry. I have so much hope for this city, and I hope that you do as well. Let's build something great for the kingdom of God. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at Pinewood Boulder.